Welcome to the Canby Christian Church Podcast. This is episode two of On Sunday, a podcast where a couple of pastors, along with the occasional guest, gathers on a Monday to discuss what took place on a Sunday. That's why we call it On Sunday. We really appreciate you listening. If you want to, subscribe to the podcast, rate it, leave a review that helps listeners find it. If you don't have a church and you live in the Canby area, we'd love to have you attend Canby Christian Church. Uh, So check out canbychristian.org for more information. If you have a question that you want featured on the podcast in the future, email us at office at canbychristian.org. But today we have a special guest filling in for Pastor Aaron. Hi. (laughs) Who is our special guest? Uh, This is Ashley. I'm the CC Kids Director. Awesome. Thanks for being here. Ashley, Aaron's away. He's uh, on his hunting trip. Uh, So we got Ashley in here and we're just going to do whatever we want because Aaron's not here to stop us. And we also have uh, another person who's always here. I am here. (laughs) Pastor Rob, associate pastor of Canby Christian Church. Awesome. And I'm Cody Antisdell. I am our pastor of worship and students. Uh, Rob, how was your week? It was cool. It was a good week. Um, finally, really getting settled in into the the rhythms of Canby from Southern California. But we were feeling a bit nostalgic, um, missing our SoCal roots a little bit this week. So we decided we were going to go to In-N-Out. We looked up to try and find what the closest In-N-Out was. It turns out I think nobody really cares about In-N-Out around here in the Northwest. At least not, you know, some at least folks in Canby. Um, but being from SoCal, we were like, let's let's drive and go grab some In-N-Out. It's been a while. It would be fun. And there's one, I think it's like 20 minutes south. Yeah, it's not far. Yeah. Yeah. It's not too far. But it's, it's brand it's, new. It's a drive, you know, um, at which people generally I've, I've found in this community tend to stay real close, which is cool. Some I enjoy. But um, being from SoCal, we're used to driving. We have no problem with it. We are a commuter people down in SoCal. Um so we're like, let's go run out there for dinner, and it's 20 minutes away. Okay, we get there. There's like no line at this In and Out, and I live wh- where I live. There's two In and Outs that are like seven minutes from my old house in Southern California, and it takes me 30, 40 minutes to get food because it's a seven minute drive and a 15, 20, maybe 30 minute wait for food. <laughs> I drove 20 minutes south to this In and Out. It was two minutes for food. I actually got. In and out quicker here than I do in SoCal, so it ended up working out really well. The kids loved it. My one-year-old just goes nuts for their um, grilled cheese sandwiches, and she ate a whole one. She's nice. she's a big eater, but um, we had fun doing that. So when and, did you um, go? Because I actually have experienced very long lines there. Really? Yes. <laughs> it was it was like six o'clock. Uh, it was like a midweek. It was like Wednesday. It might it might have been Wednesday or Thursday. No, it wasn't Thursday, obviously, because we had life groups. I think it was Wednesday or Tuesday afternoon. Um, and we just drove out there, and there was three people in line. I mean, it was it was nice. <laughs> we got our food, sat down, ate. It was it was great. A little little piece of SoCal up here in the Northwest, so we enjoyed that. Yeah. But, um, yeah. That yeah, was... I've, I've, I've seen some long lines there. I actually got to go opening day with oh. one of our, our past elders of the church. We went together, and... Uh, we waited for hours in line. Yeah. We ordered our food. They called our number. I went up with the number, 
and they said, oh, this isn't your order. It needed to go all the way up to 100 and then back to wow. my number before it was our oh. order. It was crazy, but that was opening day. Opening day, yeah, people were probably overly excited for that. Nice. But it was chill when we went, so that cool. was great. So if you've been waiting to go, it's it's chill then. It's now. it's a good yeah. It's if you want to go grab a burger. Although like I said, I don't know if you if you're into In and Out, if it's good, come talk to me. Let's go to In and Out together because that will be fun. So come uh, come to dinner with us to In and Out. But I find that many people in Canby are like, yeah, the drive. I don't think so, which is <laughs> fair. That's fine. That's not you know what you're down. There's great places to eat here. So yeah. I hear you. How was your week, Cody? Oh, not bad. It was a, a crazier week. We had surge. Uh, I was preparing the message, so it got real, got real busy. Um, but that's fine. We premiered a podcast. <laughs> that yep. happened too. Uh, so it was a it was a busy week, but it was a good week. Surge uh, went off uh, fairly well. We uh, were able to move from the big field we were into a tent, which was good because uh, we knew it was going to rain. Um, what we didn't anticipate was that it was just a slope so all the water still ran under the tent um so we figured out a way to do a sound system to do our all of our activities we had to move some stuff the uh we were doing those big bubbles that you get in you play soccer you run into each other and you go flying and the area i had them flooded (laughs) so we moved them (laughs) so we just figured it out and uh and i think it went fairly well i'm sure attendance of the event would have been bigger if it wasn't raining um, but still it was a really cool event we had a lot of fun how about you Ashley um pretty simple week but uh I did go to surge and it was really fun <laughs> yep thank you um watching the kids fall over in those ball things <laughs> was quite hilarious um yeah we had our small group launch night yeah. Which, um, yep. And you had some fun with the kids oh out in the fellowship. Oh, my goodness. Hall. So yes. Much fun. It was quite eventful. Um, just, you know, for those listening, kids' ministry will not look like that moving forward. <laughs> um, yeah. For the launch night, it was the night where we were collecting volunteers and, and getting people to sign up to volunteer. And so there wasn't like an official kids' ministry program that night. So that's why it was quite quite interesting <laughs> but um hey. next time around we will better prepare for that launch night i yes. think with the kids we i mean we were just we were anticipating it being short and sort of having the kids running around but that was a little bit <laughs> unwise in hindsight <laughs> uh, and uh, i think i think you direct you uh, addressed it pretty good pastor cody on sunday i thought that was pretty funny people seemed to enjoy that yes. but overall i think that night was was amazing yeah. I mean, we we had so many people. It's a good problem to have when you have so many people interested in joining small groups. Um, you know, our tr- our average attendance is somewhere shy of you know two hundred, like one seventy, one sixty five, somewhere in there. Generally, over the last several weeks, and then we have you know a hundred plus people interested in joining groups. That's well over fifty percent of our congregation interested in getting yeah. involved like that. Awesome! That's it's so amazing. Cool. It's amazing. So. Um, yeah, and all the times, all the different ministry situations I've been in, it's never been percentage-wise that high amount of people that want to take that extra step and get and grow deeper together, and and so that's going to be fun this week. Cool. Yeah, that's awesome. 
And uh, Ashley, you were going to tell us that you have some MYTs coming up. What mm-hmm. is an MYT? What's that stand for? Yes. So MYT stands for Ministry Youth in Training. Yeah. And so um, I've been able to to help out with, with junior high ministry and meet some of our sixth graders um, in up, really. And it, it really allows the middle schoolers and high schoolers to get involved in kids ministry and to be trained for ministry. And so um, an MYT would come alongside a CC Kids teacher and basically assist in the classroom Sunday mornings or Thursday nights for small group when we have it. And so, um, yeah, it just trains them up what it looks like to be a leader, what it looks like to serve, gets them excited to be um, a part of the church in a more like um, in a way where they have ownership. You know, they're not just mm-hmm. attending. They're now a part of what's happening. And um, and so, yeah, that's what MYT is. Yeah, I think that's awesome. Just this past Sunday, I uh, had a student that said, I've been feeling this way for a long time, but especially, you know, with our last couple of discussions at youth group, I feel like I need to serve my church somewhere. And like, where can I do it? Ministry, youth and training is like a perfect segue. But there, there's other places too. come talk to us if you're a young person who wants to get involved because we want you to serve. Uh, we know that you have gifts that, um, you know, that God has given you for the church, and we want to get you involved just as much as we want to get adults involved. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's awesome. I really appreciate you being there at youth group and inviting the kids to mm-hmm. be a part of something like that <clears throat> yes. and uh, really making them feel special because um, it is special when a young person starts serving their church for the first time. Um, This week, we talked about one of our church's values. We've been on this break uh, from Romans, although we'll get back into it uh, soon. But the the value we talked about this week was prayer. um, And we looked at what Psalm 32 teaches us uh, about prayer. Um, So we're going to get to that. But since we have Ashley here, we wanted to get to know her a little more. How long have you been at the church now? It's not very long. Yeah, it's been like five months. Five months. <laughs> yeah. And so we can get to know her a little more. Um, Rob, who we got to know a little bit more last week on the podcast, uh, he knows her really well, from what I understand. Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I was there when <clears throat> she was born. Yeah. So. <laughs> That's pretty well. Yeah. yeah. So Rob and Ashley are our brother and sister. Rob, I mean, he probably knows lots of cool stuff about Ashley that he could share. Maybe. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't know what Ashley yeah, wants him to not, share. Let's cool, not do that. <laughs> embarrassing. <laughs> we'll get there. Yeah. But Ashley, tell us a little a little about yourself. How did you well yes. so this is the question that Rob answered last week. How did you come to know that you wanted to pursue serving in church kinda as a vocation for you? Yeah. Um, I never really thought that I would be doing this as a vocation <laughs> ever. Um, it just kind of happened, I think. Um, I know Rob kind of shared like how we kind of did see it growing up that just being a part of the church serving was kind of a natural thing. And so I think when I came to faith and um, having my brother Robert um, coming to faith before me and seeing him jump right in and serve just kind of just showed me that, yeah, this is how it works. Like you just jump in and you serve. And so um, just having different opportunities um, in different ministry like areas, it just kind of 
happened. And But I will say, like, at first I was definitely hesitant to serve, um, but people kept asking me <laughs> to serve, and I felt like, okay, well, as a believer, like, I should just be faithful to the opportunities that God gives. And, and so I would say yes, and then I would serve, and then people would be like, oh, can you lead this? Can you oversee this? And I wouldn't want to, but again, <laughs> I would just be faithful to what God was doing. And so, okay, well, I guess I'll do it, but I, I don't feel equipped. So God, you're going to have to show up <laughs> to these things. And, and he did. And so that just kind of, yeah, became who I am. And now here I am. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That's one of the best ways to determine sort of how God has equipped you is to begin somewhere and then by other people faithfully seeing it, because you're, no one's going to ask you, especially someone who's a leader in the church is not going to go up to you and be like, can you lead this? If they don't see in you already the propensities and abilities Mm -hmm. to be able to do those things, um, you know what I mean? So that oftentimes we're blind to our own abilities or our own giftings. And it's when other brothers and sisters in the faith come up and see that in us and then, uh, and then give us the opportunity. So I think that's Mm -hmm. true for for everyone really um we see that you know when jesus goes and and calls the disciples they were not they were they were fishing like they had things they were doing you know um among among other things and jesus went to them and he called them and he he, they were they were like you look at peter throughout the gospels and even into acts and there's like he's so much a work in progress (laughs) i just love to look at the apostle peter and follow him because i feel like oftentimes he's kind of like um, and I'm getting a little weird off topic, but it's kind of in, in the vein. <laughs> He's sort of like a foil um, to Christ, right? And that is a literary term. Um, in a past life, I was an English teacher. So <laughs> this is basically a person who is sort of the opposite of the main character, right? The hero of the story. This is a person who's he's he's meant to sort of um, mirror the the main character, so to speak, and kind of show us allow us to put ourselves in the story. And that's kind of what Peter is, I think, and God obviously had that plan to um, call him. And then we see how he develops and his questioning and his confusion. And every time Jesus just continues to sort of push him and lead him to the point where he says, do you love me three times? Feed my lambs, feed my sheep. And he's, Mm -hmm. you know, he's sort of awestruck at how much, and I don't think Peter when he was called obviously i mean that wasn't even his his name originally <laughs> and uh you know god had to transform even that um mm-hmm. but we see he was not thinking he was thinking similarly really me am i i'm gonna do this you know and you see how that develops um but anyways a bit of a sidetrack but i think that that's that's interesting to see in your own story mm-hmm. um i'm kind of interested to know even backing up before you started serving how you became a christian in a very small nutshell because I know we we did go to church together as kids, but you were a very little kid when we left that yeah. church. Well, I guess we didn't sort of leave that church, but at any rate, um, I'm curious to to know because it was not. I mean, I was like around. I was like giving you advice. I was talking with you, but it was a time in my life when I was a young adult, so I'd moved on. I wasn't living in the mm-hmm. house with you. Um, we would talk about God a little bit, but you were not a Christian uh, when I became a Christian, and then after some time, you did completely sort of separate from from me although Uh I think I maybe had some influence in there but I'm I'm curious to hear that story yeah 
Yeah. It's so funny because we are six years apart. So like all the stuff that we grew up with in the church is like total different stories because Mm. you were an older kid. So you understood more of what was happening in that church growing up. Um, If you didn't hear last week's podcast, we grew up at like a pretty awful Pentecostal church that, <laughs> and not, not saying that all of them are awful, but this particular <laughs> this one, one was an this awful one, one was pretty awful. <laughs> um, so that did influence like my, my faith, I guess, because I kind of went into like, you know, junior high with just this mentality that church is awful. And, and so, um, I was like, uh, you know, an atheist and, and just, um, living that lifestyle, just knowing, Oh, God's not real. And, you know, this is what church looks like. So that can't be like the truth. Um, and then I also just like had like a real rebellious, like personality and didn't really, um, take, didn't really see authority or people in authority as like people to trust. But, um, yeah. So that being said, Robert, though, like I think was the only person that was like older than me who I actually respected. And so when you did become a Christian, it did kind of open my like heart to to like take in. OK, well, what is Christianity? Like, what is this? If he's actually like OK with it, even knowing like the church we came from, there must be something that maybe I'm missing. So that definitely like opened me up right and then um met this girl in high school who constantly invited me to her like youth group and I always turned her down but she was very consistent and so after Rob became Christian I was like okay well whatever I'll just check out this girl's youth group and I went and for four months I was very stubborn and was like nah I'm not gonna I don't want to give into this like I'm not gonna raise my hand to the whole gospel and like like what is this but um I think just over time hearing the gospel like the Lord just completely captured my heart and so I submitted to the gospel raised my hand did the whole thing <laughs> did the prayer um and that's kind of yeah how so yeah we got saved in different means but definitely you influenced that mm. for sure but yeah yeah and then you know soon after you became uh, a Christian and started to take your faith seriously. Yeah, you were always like picking my brain yeah. on everything, <laughs> um, which was great. But that was a completely different city because you were living with, you know, our, my mom, your mom, our mom, I guess. <laughs> um, and I was an, an adult living uh-huh. in a different city. And, uh, you know, so it's just interesting that God, this, a similar situation happened with our other sister in a sort of a different context. All three of us became Christians um, separately Mm -hmm. and, you know, having a similar story of sort of rebelling. Um, And I just, I thought that was, it was amazing to see how God works like that. You know, the Holy Spirit does the work. And I obviously was praying for my entire family. And um, by God's grace, a number of my family members have become Christian. But when I was, when I did become a Christian, uh, legitimately, uh, you know, uh, that was my prayer and, and uh, most, most of my family was not. And by God's grace, now most of us are, um, <clears throat> and I, you know, that's not necessarily because of my influence, but I think that uh, in part, you know, I was helpful to some of you guys in that mm-hmm. journey. So that's cool to hear. Um, yeah. So you got saved at that church and then and then eventually you moved in with us when you became an adult. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first place that she, when you moved out of your house, yeah, me and my wife decided um, to move to Riverside where I eventually ended up 
serving as an intern pastor at Harvest in Riverside. But that's this was a few years before that we moved to Riverside and your first like I'm growing up, I'm moving out of the house. Mm-hmm. We all kind of bunked up together. You became our roommate. Yeah. Um and then we've been serving in different capacities together ever since. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With yeah. short breaks mm-hmm. here and there. So Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. And if you have a chance, it uh, it'd be great for you to sit down with Ashley and hear more about mm-hmm. her experiences and uh, how you know how God has used her because you have a, a broad uh, kind of ministry experience. You have kids ministry. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have the the house yeah. uh, that that young women were <laughs> you know Christian young women came to mm-hmm. live in. Uh, you have all these different experiences with uh, big events that Harvest used to do like. There's some pretty, probably a bunch of stuff that I don't even know about. So actually it'd be a cool one for you to sit down and talk to and hear about lots of crazy ministry experience. But on a lighter note, Ashley had a problem that she addressed with me about our last week's podcast. Oh boy. We've told you, you can come in and you can ask questions. Uh, and, and I, I disagree. (laughs) So Ashley, why don't you tell us the problem that you heard? Okay. So I was listening to the first podcast. Okay. Cody is talking about the Thirsty Thursday event. Thirsty Thirsty. Oh, nope. oh yeah. That. You have to change. That name will never be a thing it's again. Gonna, it'll be an annual. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. That it was the first event. annual. Next year will be the second annual. Thirsty Thirsty. Yes. So he's, distra- he's describing the different types of ice cream. Do you guys remember what he says? He says, sherbet. Rainbow sherbet. Sherbet. He said rainbow sherbet. I think that that is not correct. I feel like it's sherbet. Sherbert. Let's look at the spelling. I agree with Ashley. You agree with Ashley. Okay, so get ready for this because I'm on Google right now. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. Sherbet. Sherbet. That's a hard bit too. Sherbet. Sherbet. No, learn. it's wrong. Google's wrong. This what is, is under the section learn to pronounce. Oh, no. <laughs> so I am claiming victory, rainbow, sherbet. But if you want to weigh in, if you've been saying sherbet your whole life, sherbet and Ernie or whatever, <laughs> you can weigh in. Ashley is going to put a poll yes. on the uh, – w- w- how, how do we get to Instagram? it? Yes. What's the label? If you oh, want to get on Canby Christian Church's Instagram. I will tell you in just one the, moment. The handle is <laughs> – The handle is Canby CC Online. Canby CC Online. We should fix that. That's we we should. should. I kind of <laughs> – yeah, very good. It's very I strange. But. but if you get on Instagram, go to Canby CC Online. There will be a poll. If you yes. listen to this podcast and you've been saying Sherbert wrong – no. Your whole life, and you haven't been saying sherbet like I have. <laughs> <laughs> then you can get on there and you can vote. There will be just, a poll yeah. attached to. I just our think Instagram. Google doesn't. My, Google no. doesn't have this one, guys. That's just not right. My world has been flipped upside down. <laughs> sherbet. I'm looking sherbert. at the spelling, and it it it's S H E R B E T. That's why I said sherbet. There's not another R for me to pronounce. So I, I, I was under the impression I was pronouncing it right. Google agrees with me. <laughs> My foundation. But you can weigh in if you think I'm wrong. I also, I kind of impromptu added, uh, you know, uh, something, uh, a controversial thing we could vote on. Uh, in my message this week. Oh, yeah. Because our yes. our text says, don't be like a horse 
or a mule. It does. There's another animal that's a lot like a mule called mm -hmm. a donkey. Another word for a donkey is an ass. And I wanted to, in my message, say God's advice for you is don't be an ass, which <laughs> is sense. not which is not a swear word. Nope. Because an ass is an animal. It is. But I will admit that the only reason I thought that sentence was funny is because it sounds like I'm swearing. And I asked, <laughs> help me win this argument with my wife that this was an appropriate thing to say in church. And I got a pretty broad mix of answers. Um, and so if you want to, you can email office at canbechristian.org or you can hit us up on Instagram or whatever, yes. and you can let us know what you thought. But I am still leaning toward it was technically appropriate, but maybe the fact that I thought it was funny <laughs> should have been included <laughs> me to not use it. But what's even better than that is uh, someone responded to my question in a group text to both pastor Aaron and I oh boy and so then Aaron texts me from his camping trip where he doesn't have good service uh, how is he yeah how is he, he able to do he that he got somewhere where he had service and he said did you cuss from stage <laughs> lol I have bad service talk to you in a few minutes or or I have bad I have bad service just for a few minutes and I was feeling mischievous and so I just replied yeah, but it was an accident. It slipped out. Oh, no. <laughs> and he replied, what did you say? And I said, the big one. <laughs> You'll have to listen to the podcast. So I don't know if he's sweating it out out there in the woods, wondering, like, I can never leave church again. Um, but hopefully mm. hopefully that's a good prank. More. I, I feel a little bad, but... I, mostly I don't feel bad at all. <laughs> Just more for him to pray about. Yes. Pray for yep. Cody. <laughs> pray for Cody. <laughs> he might have ruined our church while I was gone. I think uh, you listen to the wisdom of your wife, okay? <laughs> when, in, that's good when in doubt, yeah, y your wife is there as a helper, okay? Listen to her. <laughs> I, I have learned this the hard way as well. Um, but yeah, I think Emily gave you some good advice. Um, technically, maybe you're right. I looked, I tried to find, because I thought in the King James Version, it used that word, and it actually does not use mule, which is interesting. But at any rate, um, it, yeah, it would not be a curse word technically, but everyone in the audience would be thinking that. Right. And that's where, so it would, it, it could detract from the overall emphasis of what you're making, uh, the point you're making from the scripture. So, and that was probably mm, uh, some true. of the better advice I got uh, from uh, from Dana Leishner. And she said, you know, when you're thinking about your, uh, you know, illustrations that you use in a sermon, there there's an old adage when it comes to making speeches: is you don't ever want your illustrations to be more memorable mm. than the point you're actually trying to make. Mm. Um, and so, if people just walk away and just uh, they oh remember that one time Cody said this, but they have no idea what my sermon was actually about. Then that yeah. that's a problem because we we legitimately care about people walking away with their head filled with God's word. And so maybe that's a good transition. Let's just look yeah. at the text we were in, and we'll talk about some of our thoughts uh, about it. But I'll I'll read this whole text. We're in Psalm thirty two. It's not very long. It says, blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. 
Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely in the rush of great waters, they shall not reach him. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curbed with bit and bridle, or it will not stay near you. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. Um, and so as we think about that, and we talked about how the Psalms are a place that we learn the language of prayer. It's a training ground. It's a, a, a place to, to be equipped with the tools to express what's in your heart. Um, and that's a, a big value of Canby Christian Church, that we want to speak the word back to God in prayer as we value learning uh, the word itself. Um, and so a question that, that we kind of thought would be good for us to discuss as a group is, you know, what is your prayer life like? Or, or what strategies do you use uh, to engage in prayer? Rob, maybe do you want to kick us off on that? Sure. Yeah, I think um, over the course of my life as a Christian, um, you know, there are seasons that we go through, right? And there are, especially when there are seasons, um, as you begin walking with the Lord, um, where, and your prayer sort of changes and this, you know, when you first become a Christian, maybe your life is, you're sort of younger generally, or maybe you're older, but whenever you become a Christian, at least when, for me, I was young, I was single and, uh, I was, so zealous as often people are when they first encounter the truth of God, there's this amazing like upswelling in your soul of that. You finally, you know, found the truth and that you finally are in relationship with the one true and living God. And it's an amazing thing. So I can remember those times just, and not even knowing how to pray, just like praying very often. Um, I was even invited at the church that I got saved at to kind of lead a like a, a a one hour prayer we did a one we opened the church for one hour in the afternoon at three o'clock because it was sort of the hour the ninth hour that hour of prayer that we see in the book of acts as the um the apostles go to pray this is a common thing that jewish um people did at that time so anyways we had opened the opened the church for an hour and i spent that hour praying with a number of people um, as a young christian um and then as things develop and life gets more chaotic i sort of that was discontinued I could just and then you know then I started to go to school and my work got crazy and my prayer life began to dwindle began to spend less time and you could you could see how it is truly a discipline it began more with just this excitement and then it sort of set in after a time <clears throat> of realizing like this is something I have to really discipline myself to do mm. and there was seasons where my prayer life was very thin um, you know, and then it began to swell again as as the Lord was uh, faithful and we we were brought into a context um, where we were um, sort of better connected at our church. And then then you have a kid and then 
you know, as a new father, you're up all the time with the baby. And so, you know, that ended up being like, man, this there's so many more obstacles to get in the way. So the one thing I would just say, looking over the my life, is that prayer, the length of your prayers, the time in your prayer, it will change here and there. That's not to say that we should we should not be praying. Um, if anything, we should be more mindful that if we're coming mm-hmm. up to a season where we know we are going to be busy, like I am in one now, you know, I'm just getting to the place where I'm settling, but obviously moving to a different state. Um, our life was out of rhythm for a number of months. You know, we uh, were just doing all these logistical things to pack and to, to move and to get our kids into uh, new schools. And uh, there was just so lo- many logistical things that um, <clears throat> over the course of the last several months, my own prayer time has sort of taken a back seat as it should never uh, do. But I'll just admit, you know, in the in the spirit of confession, which is the other big part of this, um, that it has been a challenge to find those times amidst moving and unpacking and settling. Um, I'm and and then also just learning the rhythm of the times of when you're taking the kids to school, because generally I've found my Usually the way that I pray is in the morning, hopefully before the kids wake up, but <laughs> that doesn't happen too often. <laughs> um, it, but it is a sweet time. I, I, the kind of the best times in prayer, I'll just say, is early morning when no one else is awake and I am usually up early. I'm kind of an early riser. Um, and I can, I can spend the best time in prayer usually there. Um, that's not the case for everyone. Um, we should be praying, uh, really all day and some people prefer to pray in the evening. I know um, Albert Moeller, a pastor that we both look up to, who's very influential in the um, in the Christian community, in the evangelical community. He he does his his uh, sort of Bible studying and prayer time in the evenings, hmm. which when he said that, I was sort of interested in that, um, you know, because I've always heard, oh, you know, you need to rise and pray. And uh, there is obviously some precedent to that, biblically speaking, and there is some wisdom to that, of course. Uh, but it's not necessarily, you know, we, we don't have to be legalistic that like if you don't get in your, you know, 15 minutes of prayer, 30 minutes, 40 minutes, whatever you're doing, if you don't get it in first thing in the morning, your your day is going to be sort of ruined. I think that's a, a legalistic way to look at it that could be detrimental mm-hmm. to us. And so at any rate, all this to say is um, there will be seasons. So don't be overly hard on yourself, but be mindful of those seasons and realize that prayer is a discipline that mm-hmm. we need to um, to press into. Um, some of the strategies I was thinking about, um, and I've gotten these from a number of different books, but um, going along with the theme, I think the Psalms are really one of the best catalysts for prayer because they are the prayer book, right? Mm-hmm. It is the prayer book of the people of God. It gives us, as Cody, you were talking about on Sunday, the, the language of prayer. Um, and so what I've found to be helpful for me in times when I'm kind of like, I don't know what to pray about, or it just feels like I'm just sort of in a rhythm where I just sort of say the same thing, you know, to God. Um, I I will read the Psalms at, to help me. And I did this, there was a, there's a devotional out there by Tim Keller and his wife called The Songs of Jesus, I think it's called. And it's a devotional through the Psalms. There's a number of devotionals through the Psalms, but it's a really helpful one for me. I found it to be really life-giving, one of the, um, really one of the most helpful times for me in my personal devotional prayer life through the Psalms. 
but I would read a chunk of the psalm. And one of the things that they suggest that you do is three things as you read a text. Like if we look at Psalm 32 that we just read, you would sort of read that first stanza, perhaps. Blessed is the man against whom... Um, Oh, I'm sorry. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. So you can just sort of look if you would prefer just to take a chunk of that psalm to help you begin your your thoughts in prayer. And then as you look at this text, you can ask yourself three things. First of all, what what um, what is there about God that I can adore? How can I adore God through this? And I mean, this is just, you know, perfect for that. We can we can then begin praying like, you know, Lord, looking at this text, I adore you for your forgiveness, that you would cover my sins when they when I completely do not uh, earn that or I'm, I'm not worthy of that. And yet, God, how amazing is your forgiveness? And you spend some time in adoration to God. That's kind of the first step. The second step then is to admit Right. So then we need to admit, how am I not living up to what this psalm is discussing? You know, and we can kind of transition into saying, which is really the repentance portion where you're saying you're looking at this text and you're thinking, um, God, I, you know, I admit that oftentimes I I forget about your forgiveness and I'm so hard on myself for the things that I've mm-hmm. done that I am being less forgiving than you and and yet you are this ultimate holy god you know i'm admitting you have to admit it's reality and so once you've admitted that you know the next step is to aspire so first you adore something about god secondly you admit something that you're falling short about the reality of who god is with regard to what you're reading so this helps you to shape your prayers and then the third thing is to aspire you know which is essentially how can i make a change with regard to what i've just you know admitted i'm falling short in and simply you know to say something like lord uh, i aspire to be you know to understand your forgiveness in a better way mm-hmm. and to apply it to my life in a better way and to embrace um the the reality of what it means you know to to just be loved by you and to for my sin to be covered and, uh, you know, and, and for my spirit there not to have any deceit, just to be honest before you and to accept your forgiveness and to um, apply that and even expand that out <clears throat> and thinking like I aspire to be more forgiving to my neighbor, you know, <laughs> to my brother, to yeah. my sister in Christ. Yeah. When something happens against me, looking at your forgiveness, God leads me to be more forgiving, you know. So these are this is a great strategy that is not you know, I didn't create this, obviously. It was something that I'd read about. And I found it to be very helpful for my own personal prayer time. Mm-hmm. It helped to shape kind of mm-hmm. what I, you know, when I have nothing to say, I can use this tactic to adore God about something, admit something I've fallen short on, and then aspire. And not only that, you can then you can share that with a, with a you know, someone in your life group or a trusted friend about what you've been praying about, and then they can hold you accountable to that thing that you're aspiring. Help me be a more forgiving person. Um, so that's one strategy that, yeah. uh, that I've used. Adore, yeah. admit, aspire. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, that's cool. Good. And really, I mean, you're talking about doing it to the Psalms because they're so helpful oh, in yeah. prayer, but you could do that to any scripture mm-hmm. you're reading, any story, you know, asking yourself those three questions, adore, admit, aspire. How do I apply those? That's awesome. Absolutely. Even the Proverbs, 
would be a good yeah that'd be cool yep yeah what about you ashley is there anything you've found especially helpful as you've journeyed through you know your prayer life developing that yes um i think i think that like i had developed habits where i would set aside like certain activities for prayer like um in california robert was talking about how like everyone commutes well i would commute all the time so my commute my drive was like my prayer time so I would not listen to music and I would I would use that drive to pray Mm. um and I did that for a while and I think like the habits of how I prayed would change per season and so there was a season where I was driving a lot so that was that habit and then um there was a season when I was running that like women's ministry and I needed to have like more intentionality with my prayer because the need was much greater because of just different uh things going on and so um the habit then looked like um mornings and evenings and and then um, I think coming out here, um, just kind of getting adjusted to a new life out here and a new state and a new environment. And, um, I think I'm still like figuring out what that habit looks like. Um, but particularly, I usually just always spend time in prayer before I read. Um, and I feel like throughout the day, I'm just constantly having like little conversations with the Lord, um, which I think is necessary. But it's also not the same as having intentional time. Mm. And so that's something that like, I definitely want to um, get better at and have like a, like a disciplined habit in that because um, yeah, there's just so much like fruit in that. I feel like when you don't have that set aside time, you're forfeiting like a lot of just peace and clarity and just, um, you know, our eyes get so focused on us <laughs> and I feel like when we have like that prayer time then our eyes are off of us and on the Lord and like what he's doing and and just um yeah but I think that that uh model of um you know what you, the three A's right admit what is it again adore adore admit, admit aspire, aspire oh yeah. that's so good like mm-hmm. yeah that's that's really it was good. it's been very helpful yeah but yeah that can help to shape your your prayers one thing you did say which that was interesting. You said that you pray before you read the Bible, which is very common. Um, mm-hmm. And that's not a bad thing to do by any means. But um, another piece of advice that I'd heard while reading a book about spiritual disciplines was it, it might be better and it, you know, to read the scriptures, whatever you're reading and then pray afterwards mm-hmm. uh, because you're speaking God's word back to him as Cody was uh, saying on Sunday and has been said uh, here is you may not know what you want to pray about. Um, and so after reading whatever you're going through, if you have a Bible plan, maybe you're, um, whatever you're reading, you can pray afterward, hopefully, um, as you're kind of communing with God by reading his word, and you're able to then have a conversation sort of with the Holy Spirit because you've just read his word and now you're praying and that is filling up your mind and filling up your soul as you're praying. So it may be a better practice <clears throat> to perhaps say like, you know, a quick, quiet, quiet your soul type prayer before reading. But then after you read to do a more in-depth, like in light of what I've just learned about who you are, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? It's more of a responsive prayer. So yeah. that may be a better idea. But again, that's not, there's no yeah. one way to do it. <clears throat> well, but. I feel like, um, I think I, I agree with what you're saying because 
I, I mean, praying before reading is helpful because there's distractions going on, like in yeah. my heart, in my mind. Or, and so I feel like I need to pray to like get my head straight, <laughs> like to realize, okay, yeah. I'm approaching God's word here. Yeah. Like this isn't light. Like, and so I feel like I need to start in prayer, but I think you're right in that, like during the reading and after the reading, like you should have a prayer where it's being informed by what you're reading. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Because that's, Yeah that's how you walk away changed. Um, I feel like, yeah, definitely. And we're in the goal that the, you know, the Bible gives us is to that we'd pray without ceasing, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that I think, yeah, it's the, it's the both and thing that Mm -hmm. we always say, like you are, you are starting a conversation, but you're starting a conversation partway through because God's already spoken (laughs) and then you're listening to his words and then you're responding to them again, you know? And, and that is the goal that it would be a continual thing that we're constantly praying, constantly, um, you know, talking to God and listening for God's, uh, you know, God's word mm-hmm. in our lives. I think for me, I talked a lot in our in the message about how much I love noise and how much it it keeps me removed from intimacy with God. And uh, so something that I've been trying to do more and more lately is I, I've been running more, walking more. And I always listen to a podcast. Um, and lately I've been trying to at least once in a while, some of those, some of the runs, I, I'm not in good shape. So some of the runs when they're getting long, like I need something to distract me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so those podcasts help, you know, but sometimes I just turn them off in that time of being, you know, separated from anyone um, and just being out and, and moving has been a really good time for me to, to talk with God and listen for um, what God's doing. The other day I was just, uh, you know, praying through uh, the Lord's Prayer as that. And some of that was just reciting the Lord's Prayer as a way of centering on something. Um, And then some of that was picking each part of the Lord's Prayer and trying to, you know, that God's our Father in heaven. You could pray for hours (laughs) on that one line, you know. And so being able to uh, being able to use that as uh, not just my actual recited prayer, uh, but as a jumping off point for each of those parts of the prayer uh, to be something to pray about. But I, yeah, I, my prayer life has been, I've, some things have really helped me at one time, and then other strategies have helped me at another time, trying to end the day with prayer, trying to start the day with prayer, you know, trying to, um, set alarms on my phone to remind me at certain points in the day to pray. Um, and the, the strategies for me usually work, um, for like a little while (laughs) and then they kind of fade out. And I think my, my father-in-law one time, who's, who's also a pastor, um, he, he said to me, like, maybe you don't need to beat yourself up about that. Maybe you can lean into that, that like you can try, lots of new strategies and use it till it till it's not helping anymore and then try another one that it doesn't mean you know that you've done something wrong and I think both of you have said that that you know it's going to develop over time and different points in your life you know have an alarm at at nine and and noon and three or whatever is going to be like an awesome practice for you and other times in your life it's not going to make any sense Mm -hmm. because that alarm goes off at nine and you can't pray and then what you know um and so I think that yeah reading books, trying different disciplines that people have used throughout time is always going to be, um, a really good one. I think one of the things that I'm, I'm drawn to often is just being able to recite other 
prayers that people have used for a long time. We tried it on Sunday, just praying that, you know, classic prayer, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner, and, and timing it to your breath. Um, those types of breath prayers have been really encouraging for me because I'm so uh, ADD and all over the place that it takes me like 10 minutes to even like quiet my brain enough to, <laughs> to have an actual prayer time that everything's just flying around. Uh, so some of that stuff has been really good. I know um, at different points in my life, I've, uh, I've tried to use those types of recited prayers by attaching them to different activities. Um, one of my professors in college he would do that. He had a prayer he prayed when he brushed his teeth and he had a prayer he prayed, you know, when he took a shower and a prayer he prayed when he was doing the dishes, you know, and he attached prayer times to these, uh, physical things that were happening. Um, and, um, yeah. And because of that, they came up over and over again. The danger of that obviously <laughs> is I could sit down for 30 minutes this afternoon and pray, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner, over and over and over. And I didn't necessarily connect with God mm -hmm. at all. Um, and so there is a danger in using recited prayers if that's mm -hmm. your only prayer practice. You know, at some point you need to be actually intimate with God. We talked about it yeah. at youth group this past week that, uh, you know, I think one of the most sobering things in the Bible is the the teaching that Jesus has that there's going to be all these people, you know, at the end of time that said like, hey, look at all this cool stuff I did for you. I fed people for you. I clothed people for you. And Jesus goes, I I don't actually know who you are. Like who are you coming and tell me about something uh, different? I don't, terrifying. I don't know you at all. Um, and I think that's, you know, I think there there's probably a lot of things you could unpack from that teaching. But some of that is, I think, He's saying like, hey, did you ever even talk to me? Did you spend any time with me at all? Um, and, you know, I think that's that's pretty sobering when it comes to thinking about our our prayer life. And like I said, I'm I feel far from where I would want to be in terms of my consistency with prayer. Um, but uh, the prayer we read in Psalm 32 is really pushing us toward prayers of confession. Um, and so one of the questions that Rob asked is, how can we create a culture of confession in our church? Um, and I think we we're close to it. Um, you know, every church can be better. I think we're close to it. I remember it wasn't that long ago that we had a, a one of our men's huddles. Someone um, was able to share, you know, a very personal sin. And it's a sin that affects all kinds of men. You could probably guess what it is just from that one sentence. Um, but I thought that was like an amazing time of, it really built the culture that if you, you know, you're coming to a men's huddle and someone just shared, you know, the sin that they hate the most about themselves, um, you know, that kind of pushes us all toward being more, more vulnerable. So some of that is just doing the hard work of being vulnerable, but mm -hmm. maybe there's other things that come to mind for, for you two. Yeah. I mean, I was just going to say that. I think it starts with leadership and like, yeah, yeah and us modeling that, um, yeah, I think it has to be with that. Um, I think people are afraid to be vulnerable, but the truth is, is like God has forgiven us and God has done that work in us and we're going to fail at times. But um, yeah, confession is just a part of being able to recognize our weakness before the Lord and others mm -hmm. and to walk forward in humility. Um and I think that that only makes a leader stronger. Yeah. And so, yeah, so I think it has to be modeled. And I think you you modeled that really well. 
<clears throat> Cody, on Sunday, in your sermon, you sort of led into this whole topic by talking about your own, you know, battles with confession and then the blessedness that comes after confessing. So I think I agree with you, Ashley, that that it does start with, you know, the pastors and elders and the leaders of the church who are standing up there and, you know, giving a sermon. It, it could have been easy for you to turn that around and be like, I don't need to do this, you know, because I got everything in control. But all you people out there, <laughs> let me you tell better you what you guys should yeah. start doing. <laughs> exactly. And, and yeah. you could do that in a way that is not like overt, you know, you could yeah. do it in a very like, yeah, anyways. And we all know what that looks like. We've mm -hmm. all experienced people, <laughs> yeah. you know, who come off that way. And I think just the fact that in your message about, you know, you kind of walk through your own journey and I think that's super freeing for people. Mm -hmm. um, I think that that definitely is a huge step. And I'm, I'm grateful, you know, to see that from you and from, from others in the church. That's an amazing step to see. Um, Ray Ortland in his book, The Little Gospel from the Nymark series, that green book from the Nymark series. Um, if you haven't read it, I recommend it to you. Um, but in that, he, he gives he gives us like... Um, mathematical equation <laughs> that has always stuck with me which seems strange but um it's about the whole book is about creating a gospel centered community you know creating a gospel centered church where the gospel is transforming people that's what the book is about and a part a huge part of that is confession right a huge part of um embracing the reality of what god has done is is in, you know coming to terms with who we are right um so his his whole layout was basically in order to create this kind of culture where people are confessing, where people are being transformed by the gospel. Um, we need the gospel, right? The true gospel first. That's the first thing that we need, right? The glorious news that by God's grace through the cross of Christ, we, um, the good life of the spirit has been made available to those of us who trust in the Lord by our faith, right? We need that gospel message first. Um, and that is clear in all of our teaching on Sunday, it is clear through the songs that we're singing, through the prayers that we're offering, uh, what we're talking about in life group, right? So that has to saturate every aspect of who we are as a people. And I, I can see it just being here a few weeks that that is definitely understood by, you know, most people that I come into contact with. I haven't run into someone who has some other idea of what the good news is, right? So we have that gospel and then we need to add to that safety, Right. And that's kind of mm -hmm. where the confession comes mm -hmm. in. So that's you have you have part, the right? Yeah, that's hard to create mm -hmm. a safe environment. And I think you you made a huge step to do that mm -hmm. yesterday when you gave this sermon on it's OK to be to admit when you've fallen short and ask for forgiveness. I think it was you, you gave a lot of mm -hmm. wisdom to on. You don't have to. I mean, you could if if you feel comfortable standing up in a men's huddle and confessing something like that to the hundred or not, you know, the 30, 40 guys that are there. Yeah. Right. <laughs> You could do that, and it's amazing to see how safe this individual felt to be able to do that. Um, but it's not necessarily the way that you everyone should do it. Um, I, I appreciate you know the cross reference that you gave, and I think that we should be confessing to our brothers and sisters, our wives, um, our husbands, <clears throat> people who are close to us, the things that we're struggling with. But yeah, I feel like however however that happens, we have to before we can do that, we have to feel safe. Mm -hmm. We have to feel like our church is a place where when you walk in, you're not going to be shunned because, mm -hmm. oh, he's that guy. Oh, she's that girl. You know, she's this is this is her her deal. 
um, we need to have a place where we feel safe. So you have the gospel, you add to that safety. So even if people are questioning what the gospel is, you know, we have a lot of people that come through the doors and maybe they're not Christians yet, but they're hanging out and getting to know it. They need to feel safe as well mm-hmm. so that they have, um, they have a place to question and be like, how does this work? You know, um, they don't have to have it all figured out when they walk in the door. So you have the gospel, you have safety. And the third thing is time. They need time. Um, that's it. You know, if you have the gospel, you give them a safe place to understand and experience the gospel and you give them enough time. Um, now obviously it's not indefinite, right? There is a time Mm -hmm. limit sort of if you're, and that's uh, the Holy spirit will do his work. Right. If we are portraying the gospel rightly in every aspect, if we're if we're creating a a, a, a a place that is safe and we give them enough time to ask questions, to figure it out and to deal with, you know, the confessions and their sins that you're dealing with, they're going to, by God's grace, either, you know, commit and uh, be changed and transformed or they're going to they're they're not, you know. Um, so <laughs> yeah. I think that that has always stuck with me. It's been very powerful um, for me. And I've always wanted to, to the best of my abilities, create a, a situation in the church that is like that, where we have the gospel present. We give people safety to commit or to, to admit when they've fallen short. And we offer help, you know, indefinitely. We give them, you know, we help is always available. But then we give them time to grapple with those things and come to terms, you know. And, and sometimes that time looks like, you know, you've been grappling with us for this long, like, let's let's push you to make make a positive change and let me help you do that you know what i mean so it's all all of those things i feel like has been super helpful to create a culture of of confession and a culture of grace and a culture of the gospel Mm -hmm. at the end of the day and unfortunately what we see so often is people reacting the exact opposite of that this thing happened in my life you know, I have I have this conflict in a relationship where I screwed up and it finally came out and then they just ghost on the church, right? Mm. And they are like, they don't want to be around, you know? Um, or you'll see, you know, I remember I've, I've seen, at my last church, I saw someone in the grocery store who I hadn't seen in forever. Um, and I was just like, oh, you ever coming back, you know? And they said like, oh, we're just like, we got some stuff. We, we're struggling with this, you know, with this kid and our family and, and we got some stuff to figure out, but we'll be back, you know? And I'm like, no, like come now (laughs) and we'll support you and we'll care for you. You know, don't, but like all too often people think like, oh man, I should get my stuff together and then go back to church. Um, and, and I think it's, you know, that Foster Richard Foster quote that, uh, that we used on Sunday that people often just see the church first primarily as a fellowship of saints Mm. and and not as a fellowship of sinners. Mm. And, yeah. And the truth is it, it's both. It's a fellowship of saints only because of Jesus. And and it's a fellowship of sinners uh, that can even start being saints together because of Jesus. And that makes people think like that, that something about them is the one that's too far away or the sin that no one else could handle. Um, because look at all these nice people have these nice lives and they're here and they're friendly and they're happy. And, and so, you know, I have to hide 
my stuff so that they think I fit in with them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, and, yeah that's, and that's the the culture of confession is the only thing that combats that is exactly. that we go, yeah. hey, like I have all this messed up stuff mm-hmm. <laughs> and I need help. Would you help me? You know, I might look nice, uh, you know, on Sunday, but <laughs> there's stuff happening here. And yeah. Then, yeah, it takes us to be to be vulnerable to make that happen for sure. Mm-hmm. For sure. Another thing that I was thinking of is creating situations in our church being mindful as church leaders and you know as church members people who call can be christian their home to um, take that step of putting people in a situation where they can't just float in and out of a worship service if you can for years just come in on sunday a few minutes after things start and float on out before the end you know and you're just sort of drifting through um that will breed uh, sort of a, a type of person who is not going to be challenged, not going to be um, able to have an opportunity to confess, you know? So the more often that we can be kind and, and to even, you know, go out of our way to, to shake hands with that person who we might see in this habit <clears throat> of sort of coming in to get their, maybe their conscience sort of taken care of. I, I checked the box. I went to church this week um, but perhaps there's a lot going on there that they're not able or they're not dealing with. And maybe one of the reasons is a, a brother or sister's not coming alongside and sort of stopping them at the door and saying, wait, before you leave, how you doing? I'm so-and-so. You want to hang out? You want to go? You want to join my life group? Like, you know, I think that goes a long way. And it goes, I think every member of the church needs to be a part of that activity. Um, it's just sad when we when when you see a, a church and... It, I mean, for better or worse, it happens with when there's sort of a bigger congregation. Uh, we benefit from that to some degree that we have a fairly small congregation and we can we can easily see sort of who is doing that. When there's a bigger group of people, it gets more challenging when there's mm-hmm. especially when there's sort of multiple venues, et cetera, where there's people who can drift in and out and they're sort of nameless, faceless folks who aren't. Uh, who are falling into that gap. Uh, but at any rate, I think regardless of your situation, whatever church you're in, I think it's it's on sort of you as a member of that church that are committed there to um, look out for those people who are trying to sort of float and uh, and to, to encourage them with the gospel, to ensure that they feel safe uh, and to give them time, but at the same at the same time pressuring them to see, you know, do you what do you think about the gospel? Uh, what do you believe about this or that? Um, how's everything going in your marriage? How's everything going in your life? You know, things like that. I think it is important for us to do um, kind of on the back end. So if, if pastors are up there, church leaders are, are modeling confession, then we need to create spaces for that to happen in our church. And that's mm-hmm. one of the reasons why we have life groups. You know, that's one of the reasons we have the smaller Bible study for the ladies on Thursday morning and stuff is because we want to create spaces where you can create friendships. And then in addition, just creating a culture where like, hey, like we spend time with each other. Mm -hmm. Uh, You come to this church, someone's going to inevitably say, let's go get lunch. Um, And if, you know, if someone is out there who hasn't been invited, then, uh, you know, it's on us to get out there and do that. Like we need to take that step. So I think that's another thing to think about as well. Mm I think um, also when it comes to confession, like creating that culture, we also need to create a culture where we celebrate sanctification Hmm. and like celebrate, hey, like this is something I was struggling with, but look how God has been working in that. And like, and that 
only happens when you actually do life with one another. Yeah. And I feel like you can see that you can see that process happening. Um, I think that's also super important because we don't want to we don't want a culture where we confess all the time, but we never see any growth or that, sanctification. Like that is it needs to be balanced. my experience. The first church I was at, it was like, man, we're so messed up. Isn't this great? We're so messed up. Like <laughs> we all have all these problems, but we're so honest with each other. And that that only goes so far because eventually it's like, well, you know, doesn't God offer healing for this kind of <laughs> sinful behavior? Like, shouldn't we be transforming? And unfortunately, oftentimes in those situations, those they were sort of flaunting their honesty and their vulnerability and their confession as this badge of honor and yet not allowing the Holy Spirit and one another to keep mm-hmm. each other accountable to see that growth. Um, so I think that's a very good point you're making, Ashley. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, and Paul has that teaching, right, where he's like, dude, you got that guy. Yep. What is it? He's like sleeping with his mother-in-law, and you guys are celebrating him because, like, look how great grace is. Like, mm, you don't understand grace at all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Grace should, you know, move you away from those things. And I think just kind of to bring it full circle is, like, those times uh, that we're together and we're, con- we're con- able to confess to each other, those are times of prayer if we approach them with the right mm-hmm. attitude you know mm-hmm. where we're you know where a few people are gathered god's presence is with them and he's with us in those conversations and then you know we can formally turn to prayer and and address god directly with our times of confession but he's there in those conversations all the time too and so as we keep trying to to value prayer more and more um sometimes it's just remembering that like we're praying right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. like God's in this conversation with us, and it's because we invited him to be, and we started with his word spoken to us, and then we started this conversation. Um, and so, yeah, those more formal times of dress, addressing God specifically, um, but he's with us in all our conversations, and he's with us when we're confessing to each other, and his spirit is guiding us. And um, yeah, and don't be afraid when someone's talking about something to just stop and pray together. Exactly. <laughs> I think right. too often it's like, oh, I need, you know, this is going on in my life. Can you pray for me? It's like, sure, I'll get around to it. Like, yeah. I do that too often. So I'm yeah. just confessing to you now. Like, <laughs> if I'm going to do my best, if someone comes up and said, oh, man, I'm really struggling with this. Like, I, I'd appreciate it if you pray for me this week. I'm like, let's pray right now. Yeah. Like, why yeah. can't we just stop and just say, it like, doesn't have it, to be yeah. long. It doesn't be long. Let's just pray and I'll keep you in my thoughts and prayers this week. But like, let's just do it now. Anyways, that's that's something that that we should do as well. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, we're getting we're getting a little a little long, so maybe we'll we'll kind of start <laughs> wrapping it up. But I mean, it's a podcast. Feel free we'll to listen to up. us. Uh, you know, at mm-hmm. at one point five speed or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Can <laughs> and you buzz imagine? Through them. That's what I, that's how I, I listen to a lot of podcasts on on double speed. Um, not if I talk like this. Yeah, so gonna, <laughs> yeah or you want more of this podcast, listen to it at half speed. <laughs> yeah, you there know, you go. You just really milk it. Uh, <laughs> whatever you want to do, it's it's your listening experience. Um, but we had a couple things we just wanted to make sure we announced again, and that was life groups. We had the life group kickoff where we didn't actually meet as life groups for that. And so this week is the first week that we meet with life groups. Um, unless Thursday already happened, it's not too late to get into one. I don't know when you're listening, um, but email office at canbechristian.org, like we always say, um, or just come into the office and talk to us. Uh, but you can get involved in a life group 
Um, and uh, even if you miss this week, you can still get involved. We want people to be able to be there. If you can't come every Thursday, you can still get involved. Uh, somebody asked me that. Yeah, you can come twice a month. If that's the only days you have available, then come twice a month. We want you to be a part of that because, like we were doing, talking about today, we, we pray together in those. Uh, we have community together, and we want people to feel connected. Um, and then, again, ARM uh, Africa Renewal Ministries in Uganda, um, and especially the city or the town of Kachungwa, uh, where Canby Christian Church has been working for a long, long time. Uh, we have uh, children to be sponsored, and their children that I believe were picked specifically for us, that they wanted us to connect with. Um, and so hopefully this Sunday will be the Sunday that we get all of those, all of those children sponsored. Um, so that's a really cool thing. If you, for some reason, can't make it to church this Sunday, uh, again, email officeofcanbychristian.org or call us or come on in and tell us you want to be a part of that. We'll make sure that you have a chance to sponsor a child. Um, I think that might be it. Mm-hmm. That's it. Should we wrap it up? Wrap it up. Yep. All right. Sure bit it is. <laughs> sure sure Bert. Sure Bert. No, th- I'm on code. It's sure bit. Oh, no, I can't say it like that. Thank you for listening to this on Sunday episode of the Canby Christian Church podcast. For more information about Canby Christian Church and its ministries, go to canbychristian.org.